Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 6, Episode 8. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of Project Voice, and we're thrilled to have a great panel of guests for you on the show. It's some really interesting stories, uh, a couple of them coming out of um, Brett Kinsella's work over at VoicePod, but we'll get to that in just a second. want to take a moment and introduce our two guests on the show today. Kumar, I'm going to start with you. Take a moment, uh, introduce yourself, tell us all about Slang Labs. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, th- thanks, Bradley. Yeah, glad to be on the show, and thank you for the invite again. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Kumar Rangarajan. I'm one of the co-founders and CEO at Slang Labs. Uh, we are a Bangalore-based uh, voice startup. We provide a multilingual in-app voice assistant platform what we like to call the world's first voice assistant as a service platform that allows brands to be able to now quickly add a multilingual in-app voice assistant into their apps, into their mobile and web apps. So we provide a voice assistant that are pre-built and pre-easily configurable uh, on top of our self-serve platform that customers can go quickly select what domains they want, integrate their, uh, their assistant into their app. And the platform takes care of everything that is required for all the conversational aspects of uh, voice on top of the app, including handling all the multilingual aspect. So the app can continue to remain in English, but the users cannot talk to it in multiple languages. So that's great. Yeah, no, that's great. So you got an interesting business, uh, Kumar, and uh, you know we're we're proud to have you. In, you know, hailing from India right now. What time is it over there? Uh, right now it's around nine forty. Nine forty p.m. Right. Yeah. We appreciate uh, you making time late at night. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, no problem. Glad to be here. Our next guest is Tobias Dingle of Willow Tree. Tobias, tell me if I'm not pronouncing that right. You got it. Um, thanks, Bradley, for having me, Kumar. Nice to be on with you. And hi, everybody. Uh, I'm the CEO of Willow Tree. Uh, we're at about a thousand person digital product agency. So we help mainly Fortune 500 kind of clients. Um, realize their digital goals. Uh, we started out building apps, do websites, now a lot of voice experiences, um, a lot of clients in the financial services space like Edward Jones, Capital One, Charles Schwab, um, a lot of clients in consumer products like Pepsi, Anheuser-Busch, or ABI and Bev as it is now, and then um, hospitality, Marriott, Holiday Inn, Wyndham, um, and a lot of other industries as well. Um, and I, w- I would say about two thirds of our applications, whether they're web or mobile apps or voice are consumer facing about one third are employee enablement. Um, and we are super interested in voice. We think it is the next big wave. You know, we had computers in the eighties and then the internet and then mobile. We think voice is the next big thing. Uh, we're actually writing a book. I'm, I'm authoring a book that's coming out next summer called the coming age of voice with Hachette. Um, about this exact topic. And like Kumar, big believer that the future of voice is actually as a part of the application, as a part of a bunch of other technology, uh, not so much standalone as we're seeing it today. And I think we got some pretty interesting articles in that vein as well. To me, it's great to have you on the show. And, and what uh, what y'all have built with Willow Tree is, um, is excellent. Um, so uh, kudos to you. Thanks for that. Sure. So with that, we'll get to the news. And we've got two stories from our friends over at VoiceBot today. And we'll go through them one at a time here. 
And I'm going to read this uh, headline out loud. <clears throat> the rise and stall of the United States smart speaker market in a, you know, part of a new report. And this is from Brett. And this uh, is kind of some interesting information. I'm not sure, um, you know, how surprising it is. Maybe it is surprising, but uh, it's just very interesting to see it written here. Tobias, I'm going to start with you. Um, you know, this, this, it, it's not a lot of text, but it covers a lot of ground um, with this article and how it talks about the report. What is your primary takeaway from this? What, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you take a look at this article? Yeah, I always, when we're looking at new technologies, I'm always looking for analogies. And I think one of the analogies we've been using for a while here is AOL. Um, I was at AOL in the late 90s when AOL kind of for a while was the internet, or at least most people's experience with the internet. And then AOL kind of slowly, you know, was a melting ice cube and, and died away because it was an early mechanism for experiencing the internet, but it wasn't, it didn't fulfill everything the technology could do for consumers. And I think that's kind of where we are with voice. I think uh, you know, these devices for a while were the fastest growing adoption in history of any new tech, but then it's plateaued out because it's not fulfilling all the promise, just like I think the AOL experience didn't fulfill all the promise of what it could be. Um, and I think like any new tech, and we can spend a lot of time diving into this, but when a new tech comes along, we often use it to solve problems of the old technology and we use it in the paradigm of the old technology. So we use voice as a two-way voice communication. We don't think that's the optimal best use. We have lots of reasons to believe that. And now we're seeing that in the data that people are saying, I want to use voice, but I really mainly want to talk. I don't want to listen a lot. And these, these voice only devices are um, talk and listen. And I think, you know, we call them smart speakers. What they really should be called is smart mics because we want to talk. Um, and then have stuff happen, which is amazing. But this two-way voice communication, I think, has kind of run its course. And I think we're probably going to even see a decline. That doesn't mean we're going to see a decline in voice. Voice is going to accelerate, just not in this mechanism. <clears throat> yeah, and that's an interesting way to sort of phrase it. Um, we want to talk, but we don't necessarily want to listen. How true is that? Um you know, just from a humanity societal point of view, and then also, you know, correspondingly how we interact with these devices. Um, we're going to spend a lot of time on this story as opposed to the, you know, uh, the other three. But Kumar, I want to get you, you know, you on the record here as well. Interesting story here. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you take a look at it? Like, Tobias, I think, had a very interesting uh, point that people want to speak and listen. I think that's an interesting uh, point. I didn't think of it like that, but I think it's a very, very valid point. But the first thing that came to my mind when I heard this was like, what is probably now the need of the R is like now to be able to now get better usage of the devices because like most of us tend to use these devices for very relatively simple productivity tasks, right? Is it an alarm? It's the same set of standard uh, set of use cases keep going around again and again. I think the fact that we haven't still been able to now figure out a good beyond simple productivity task use case is probably what is now causing this slowdown in the trend. So wondering what is that? And our, our personal belief, I think that's exactly why we have started Plan Labs as an in-app voice system company as opposed to a, a voice apps sort of a company was like, 
making voice as an technology work in other domains like apps is probably a, a much more where it fits into existing world rather than having a separate world for itself having voice as a dominant interface is probably challenging i think like it's probably run its sort of a course so just having voice as an interface and playing around with it is probably not a good thing what can it do with it is what is now the most important thing and the world of alexa and thing is probably reaching to it some kind of a limit so we need to be able to now start looking at what can it do once people speak what happens after right i think that is an important uh, thing that has to happen and so where else can it fit is probably another uh, is what we need to be able to focus on you know there's a few different um i mean it's a complicated topic you know yeah. it's it's uh if it were simple um yeah. i don't I, i don't think yeah. that, i don't think we'd even be sitting here discussing it like amazon just would have like solved the problem right exactly exactly yeah um you know you have um you have the specter of the iphone app ecosystem hovering over everything and shaping the perception of everything um we saw what happened with the app ecosystem sort of the way our mind works is we think well shoot it ought to happen again when the reality was uh, clearly that you know just cuz something happened once doesn't mean it needs to happen again like it's rolling off a manufacturing line the other thing you know going on here to in my mind is um uh you know the attitude toward big tech is changing and we talk about that on the show all the time where you know there there's there's use cases like did you get the use case right or you know or is it is the ratio of you talk you know user talking to it talking back to you is that right like are we funneling the right applications through this thing and are the devices located in the right rooms and all the usage stuff but then it, you know we can't leave out the fact that amazon is amazon and google is google and apple is apple and you know our sort of shifting perception of big tech uh, opens the door pretty wide for independent players and it sort of splinters the market uh, into a gazillion pieces like we've seen so you know it's a, it's an interesting um problem and uh i think it's the, the you know to be as i want to get your your thoughts in this now kumar i'm going to come back to you You know, this is the type of thing that like Harvard case studies are going to be written about. You know that in 2017 and 2018, Amazon had 100,000 plus Alexa skills uh, on its platform, dominating. Um, nobody can touch them, and they're selling a gazillion devices. Like you know, and uh, and then we end up here, where you know I think it's. fair to say that Amazon really doesn't know what to do with the developer ecosystem and now they're kind of searching like everybody else for what's next you do you do you agree with that you know what what do yeah, you Yeah and I, I mean I always come there? back to the consumer and the end user and as Kumar was saying the the use cases right you got to you got to go there and I think Amazon Google Apple they've got such a massive distribution footprint that they can sell a lot of things early on even if they're not that great and then they get this false sense that there's a huge market for it and there was a huge market for it 
um, but it might not be the great a great long-term solution. And so I don't know if you remember the book Crossing the Chasm, which is probably 20, 25 years old, but it's just a really good, you know, it's, it's the never-ending insight on how tech works. Like there's early adopters and then there's some adopters and then eventually you have to get to everyone or you're going to drop right back down. And we might be for these devices to drop right back down. And the reason is, and I think the way we look at it and trying to simplify this to its core thing. Why do we want voice, right? The primary reason for many of us is speed. We can speak two to three times as fast as we can type. And on a mobile device, we might be able to speak four or five times as fast as we can, as we can type. So that's why we love dictating our text messages, right? We can just do it faster. Or we might be driving, but we generally speaking, we can do it faster. The problem is that listening is much slower than reading right? And so we see this every day. We send text messages or leave voicemails, and then we read the result. That's like the ultimate interface for us as humans, because it's, it's optimizing the, the net speed. And that's how we're going to interact with our devices. The example we always use is something super simple, like ordering movie tickets for Star Wars, which we'll talk about later, right? If I say, hey, Regal Cinemas, what movies are showing tonight? I'm going to get a two to three minute read back of movies and times. That's called movie phone. We had that 25 years ago. It's nothing new. But if I can ask Alexa or Siri, any device, what movies are playing, and it shows up in my app right away, and I just say, get me two tickets at eight o'clock for Star Wars because I'm pre-authenticated because the payment's there, et cetera. Now, all of a sudden, I've used voice to unlock an experience. Um, and that's why we think this multimodal piece is so huge and voice will be so huge. And you see it already. You see it like in the Waze app, like it, you see this mic button starting to pop up in apps, like just tell me what you want. Um, and there's a lot, we can spend lots of times on use cases, but another good one is um, U.S. Bank is an example. You know what they say, there's 250 features in their app, but there's no navigation system in a mobile device that makes those available. So they want you to use voice to say, hey, I want to reorder checks. That's something I'm going to do two or three times a year. I don't want it as a top-level nav. Super important, but it's a great voice use case. Might be a great search use case too, but searching is a lot slower than voice. So just typing it in. So those are the kinds of things we think are going to happen and why voice tech is so important, but not necessarily these standalone two-way conversational devices like Alexa. No, I think that's a really good point. And, and you know, the... Um... If you find that Alexa or, or the device is talking too much, you you inherently did something incorrect because, you know, like we talk about voice and AI, but, you know, the, we need more AI part of it. And the movie example is great because if I if I say, Alexa, uh, I want to go see a movie or, 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 you know, help me buy tickets to Star Wars, um, you know, or, or even if I just ask, I want to see a movie, I don't want to be shown stuff during the day. It should be smart enough to see my calendar or know somehow that I've never, ever gone to see a movie during the day. So there goes all of those. It should know, you know, through many other context driven, you know, inputs that I'm not interested in this, not interested in this, not interested in this and and kick back, you know, one or two things to where it now has reduced that amount of text. And uh, I'm right there with you. Kamar, I want to give you the last word on this. Um, what should what should Amazon do? Uh, what what uh, what should Amazon and Google do, given they are where they are? Yeah, so I th- I think there's a slight contradiction in what you are saying and what Toby is saying. At least the way I 
interpreted. So would uh, at least give my views on this. Right? Our whole th- th- thing is like, so voice we think is an, if you think of voice as a very revolutionary platform, just because you have voice, you can start to do a lot of magical things because it's a, it seems like a human thing and that is automatically an intelligence that has to be backing it is what is probably creating a lot of challenge. Because now the moment I can speak, I expect sort of like human level intelligence on the other side uh, to be able to do like, like exactly like what it is saying. So now just because I'm asking uh, to look for a ticket, now I'm expecting a level of intelligence that typically was not even there in the movie booking app without voice in the first place. A movie booking app is okay, I will do this and I'm expected to do certain things. So, but moment you add voice, you start to imagine a very different kind of a world, right? So having that kind of an expectation and not being able to meet that expectation is what creates that trough of delusionment, right? Like it just starts to, people people start expecting too many things and the result is completely different from what they originally expected. So if we, I think what needs to happen is like voice, the first thing I think the challenge is to get people to talk to their tech components. They are not voice is an interface and that's not an interface that we're not used to using even though we are used to using in a human human communication but when it comes to tech we are not used to using voice as the means to interact right now if you start making voice and intelligence super intelligence to be a very core uh, mandatory uh, recommend i think it becomes a challenge so what needs to be in my mind is a very evolutionary path where voice is a is a step to make life simpler than where it was before Right, like like uh, Toby said, one is to make life faster. So what required three clicks before now just requires one command. What required five clicks now requires one command. I can do the exact same thing, but now I can do it much more faster. And and then the places like India, it is actually not just about speed. It's also about accessibility. It's also about uh, making it life so much more easier. For example, my parents who want to be able to know today I'm forced to use apps to get things done. It's not just about speed. It's for them without voice. It's it's almost impossible for them to do certain trivial activities on their e-commerce apps, even for simple things like e-commerce apps. And for people who come in from non-English uh, and from a rural background in places like India, it becomes so much more harder for them to even understand, okay, what is a menu? What is a drop-down? It would be able to date selection. Let's imagine the number of clicks someone has to do for a date selection. It's all complicated interfaces. Like, how do you now simplify that and make everyone now do? Which is where I think voice can now make that happen. So if you think of voice as an evolutionary platform, as an evolutionary interface, which makes life simpler, easier, gets more and more people to talk, then you evolve into like, once the intelligence behind is built in, and intelligence is not related to voice alone, right? It's not just about voice. It's the whole, a lot of other things has to be built to get the intelligence around. Like I think that as that evolves, then then the the current uh, world that we imagine, like the uh, whole the Star Wars style world where we can speak to it, the app will automatically do a lot of things. I think we'll start to come. But I think the first step is to get people to speak and get and make sure that you can satisfy their, their requirements correctly and make sure people can speak in a very constrained manner. Right? Okay, they imagine, okay, they speak in a movie app. This is the expectations. Get the expectations right. Get them to speak. Get that speed, accessibility, and the ease, ease part of it done. Then bigger things can happen. Again, that's the perception. Like, I think it can do. And that is what we're actually seeing. Uh, like Toby is saying, like, uh, like, just like that example is the best in India. There's a much bigger explosion of voice and apps is happening, especially in the e-commerce world. All the top guys are working, either building their own or working with players like us and to be able to now build out the in-app voice system experience, right? To be able to now make that happen. So anyway, that's our belief to be able to now say like do this kind of an evolutionary model. Well, that's a really good segue to the to the next story. Just talking about um obviously we all we're all in agreement that 
you know, voice is an evolutionary platform, you know, revolutionary platform. And, you know, you were sort of given this, the example of your parents and it's, it's a good segue into this next story. So I'm going to go ahead and read this. And this is from VoiceBot uh, as well. Vizio will integrate SoundHound voice AI across smart TV line. So, uh, you know, SoundHound's one of the original players uh, in the space, doing a lot of interesting things. You know, um, so Kumar, I'm going to start with you and then to go to Tobias uh, for this. So, you know, I've, I've lived in Nashville for 20 plus years uh, until I moved right at the beginning of the pandemic period. But I'm in Nashville all the time. And in Nashville, it's well known you know, uh, it's a big home of country music, and it's all about the marriage of the song with the song writer, you know, the the, the message and the the medium uh, that it's told in. And, you know, there's a there's an interesting analog with voice where um, so much of the usage and the, the, the successful adoption of it, it, it's it's more than just, hey, does this stuff work? It's did you put it on the right, did you put it in the right context? Did you put it in the right device? And I think we're only now, be, you know, I think there's a whole lot more exploration of that to go. But this story talks about that with smart TVs being sort of a frontier. I want to get your thoughts on, um, you know, what jumps out to you about either SoundHound or Vizio or both. But more importantly, uh, your thoughts on voice um, embedded in smart TVs. Yeah, I, I, when I read that, I think... Uh... That actually was my first uh, use case when I bought my Alexa. So this goes back to my personal connection. Like when I when Alexa got introduced in 2015, I guess I actually was a skeptic. I was a non-believer in like who wants to talk to a smart speaker. And I was working in Facebook at the time, and I was like, who wants to talk to a speaker? And somehow didn't connect. But then when I my friend uh, bought Alexa, and his primary use case was to control his TV right, with Alexa. Now that was like, oh, well, that's exactly what I want. I, I want to watch TV and uh, TV is of such an on-demand uh, medium and I and I have something very clear and typically I want to do what I'm browsing. So I have I have so many things I'm trying to communicate to my TV and I'm communicating that using my clunky remote. So voice felt like an extremely natural mechanism in that thing, a very constrained ecosystem. I'm, I'm not going to ask the, the TV the weather. I'm not going to ask it very random questions. It's a very, very constrained environment, but it's a very clunky interface that exists today. So it really felt like a very... Uh, many fun. That is actually the number one reason I bought Alexa. Uh, but I had to build stuff around it to be able to know, make it work correctly. But that is the main reason. So smart uh, TVs having voice and making them integrate nicely and sleekly, I think is a great use case. I think it's a it, it's a sort of a, that incre- evolutionary things that we need to start talking to our devices and where most of the time it will work. Right? You have to get to the thing like when you speak, it has to work most of the time. If it doesn't work most of the time, you're going to start giving it. And I think this is these kind of limited use cases, places are great for the voice ecosystem in general. Excellent. Complete agreement. Tobias, want to get your thoughts as well? What yeah, I mean, I mean in complete agreement with Kumar, I would, this is just an example of how we think voice is going to be so powerful. When you're using voice to actually get a machine to do something um, versus having a conversation. And I think that's the core mindset we have to change. I've got a kind of funny story a couple of years ago, I took my young kids on a JetBlue flight, which, you know, in the States was always known for having the, the best TV experience. And we landed in Orlando and I asked them, you know, how'd, how'd you like the, those TVs on the plane? And, you know, they said, we, we kind of think they suck. And I was like, what? Like TV on a plane? It's awesome. Like, yeah, but they have these things called channels. Like, I don't even understand what the point of those is. And mm-hmm. that, that's like an example of how voice is part of 
disrupting industries, just like mobile disrupted industries, because voice is going to be a part of the thing that allows you to search a huge library, right? Searching a, you know, something that's really hard to navigate by, you know, Netflix or whatever, like rows and rows and columns and columns of content. Voice lets you get right where you want to get super quickly without having to try type in letters on a remote, which is a terrible experience. And so voice is going to be part of the reason that media, the media industry as it exists today in the United States is going to get blown up or worldwide is going to get blown up. And um, because it's going to be so easy to find exactly what you want. And so um, I, again, this is why I think, and this is going to happen across all industries. This is just a great use case where voice is, is, is doing that very early. Uh, that's that's fascinating. Um, you know, I have a friend of mine who works at uh, at Intel, who you know, long time, um, you know, from season one listener of the show, and uh, uh, he asked me once. He said, "Look, you talk about all this stuff on there, but you you haven't talked about uh, the thing I use voice for, which is on my Comcast remote. I talk to it, and it takes me right to where I want to go." It's like absolute magic. And I was like, well, shoot, Uh, you know, uh, we'll have to correct that. And we did. But uh, that's interesting, the concept of getting rid of channels. So, you know, you're right. It's going to disrupt everything. It's, uh, uh, you know, I I use uh, voice myself on YouTube. And I just I'm so used to just saying search for this, search for that. and, And it works really well. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm on that page. I think that, uh, what SoundHound is doing with Vizio is obviously pretty smart, but, um, voice, uh, added to places where voice has not gone before, um, and embedded in a smart way opens all sorts of doors. Any, any other thoughts on this? I mean, I think this whole home device thing is a big deal. It's about the use cases, right? Like a microwave. I mean, how much time do we spend still today trying to make something cook at medium level for two minutes and 30 seconds? That should be voice. Now, other devices, like, I don't know that I need my refrigerator talking to me. So you have to be precise. But I just think these are all these use cases around getting machines in your world to do what you want very, very quickly and efficiently. Uh, it's just a giant use case that we're going to see everywhere. Yeah. I, I, I one thing I can is to uh, be Again, we tend to think of voice and make it too much glorified. I think we have to look for the simple use cases, like the toaster is a great example. It doesn't have to now solve complicated problems, but just that simple timer. Hey, three sec, three minutes, right? Cook for three minutes. And I just want to say that to the toaster. I don't want to say anything else beyond that to the toaster, right? So every device has its own limited use cases. Just focus on those limited use cases. Simplify the interface to be able to now talk. And not necessarily have to be like, I have to be from the far away, Sitting in my sofa and turning on the toaster. It makes no real sense anymore. I need to you know, come close to the toaster to open up and do everything else. So, but ensure the buttons now speak. And then uh, get that done. I think the simplified use cases, which just work, make people talk to more and more uh, instead of using other interfaces. And then we can jump into the big, big ticket use cases. It will eventually happen. Yeah. And to add on what to Kumar is saying, what's interesting there, and, and one of the um, when when there was a, the last CES conference before the pandemic and there was a big first time, a big voice section and Google gave a big presentation. One of the things that struck me there is they said there's about, they found about 3000 different ways that people use voice to just set their alarm for the next morning, mm. right? So yeah. it's a simple use case, 
set the alarm for 6 a.m. or I want to heat my uh, cup of coffee um, to X degrees, whatever it is. But people say that lots of different ways. So the, the tech behind it is actually really interesting and complex to make these human, simple human voice cases work. And I think that's where the magic of the tech is. When we get that right and we yeah. can get, you know, most of those 3,000 ways to phrase that right every time, that's when it starts to feel super useful, magical, et cetera. Just to put a button on all of, yeah, all of that's excellent. And, and just to put a button on that before we go on to story number three, you know, we, um, uh, we acquired the digital book world business in 2017. And ever since we did, I, you know, it's, it's been interesting to see how publishers are afraid of Amazon constantly, but I think they have good reason to be afraid of Amazon with something they're working on now, which, which is right in this vein, which is there's a team at Amazon and they, uh, one of them spoke at Digital Book World a year or two ago, two years ago, um, working on one thing. And it is the answer. It is how Alexa answers the question, Alexa, what should I read next? And it's a, it's a much larger team than you would have ever expect for one singular query. But, you know, that's at the heart of their business, right? Or at least their original business. And if you sort of extrapolate that out, to music, movies, you know, if you can get that right, um, you know, to be as you talked about bypassing, you know, channel numbers, you know, we're going to bypass everything um, when this stuff works. So, yeah, super interesting discussion, and, and I appreciate y'all's comments on that. Um, story number three from The Verge. Telehealth visits now available through Amazon Alexa. Customers can talk with teledoc providers through Echo devices. So this is uh, this is another one. This is an interesting one. And Tobias, I'm going to start with you. Um, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, one of the data points we we look at a lot in terms of how the pandemic specifically changed digital adoption and voice adoption. Um, before the pandemic, only about 15% of doctors in the U.S. had ever done a virtual visit. After you know. 60 days into the pandemic, that number was at about 90% of primary care and similar physicians. And so um, the industry got changed by force, right? Medicine is very, very slow to naturally change. And this is just another step along the way to making the industry much, much more user-friendly and using voice um, as, as a way to do that. I will tell you that for any of us who have used, um, you know, these kinds of services, telehealth services for simple things like during the pandemic, I got a tick bike with, bite with a ring. Um, so I knew that I needed some antibiotics. I was uh, later on traveling to Africa. So I needed malaria medication. Those are all things that other, back in the day, that was going to be three hours out of my day, like going to the doctor, set an appointment, waiting, blah, 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 that can now get done in five or 10 minutes and bring voice into the home. So um, love this use case. Um, and this is a this is a real two way conversation. Okay, so it actually plays really well into the uh, the Echo device. <clears throat> well said. Yeah, complete agreement, Kamara. I I, I want to turn to you. Um, interesting story here. Uh, your thoughts? This is in this particular one. I'm slightly mixed in this particular one. So uh, one, my wife is a doctor, so I am connected to the medical ecosystem. So she essentially is, is a local Alexa for a lot of our uh, apartment uh, mates. 
right? So whenever they have a small problem, they just call her and then uh, get things done. So in, in, in the human form, right? So that's the thing that uh, she does. So here, Alexa, I think echo, like I think Kobe, so like I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing for a two-way communication because it's definitely a two-way communication. This is not something a simple command that you can get. This has to be a lot of back and forth. So my one worry, I think if this works well, I think this is great for a lot of people to be able to know, quickly diagnose and get certain things. But again, the boundary, like how much will we be able to now, from, from a human who's, who's interfacing with this, how well, for a simple thing like a timer for wake me at uh, a wake up alarm is 3000 variants. Imagine like how people are going to explain their anguish when they're going to specify their pain points to a, robotic system which has to understand what they want and has to come back and correctly tell them what they need. I think this is a from a challenge, from a technology challenge perspective, I think it's a lot more challenging use case as opposed to the toaster on the TV and other uh, use cases because this has to get it right correctly and the variants are so much more. So uh, I think that's the uh, a worry. I'm, I'm curious about how well they would actually solve this. I haven't used, because this actually is one of the things that we developed very early on when I was Starting it out personally, something that we had experimented with a bit. So I think this felt technologically a lot more challenging one. If this can actually be built, this is again a, a perfect example of an echo server device, which has two-way communication, which doesn't need a display, can just speak and get get you something done. But I'm just really curious about how well the tech works and how much disappointment will it, it cost to people when they actually try this initially before and what is the time and window that people actually have patience to be able to now give for this. Yeah, no, com complete agreement there too. And and this is um yeah, you know, this is this is interesting. I you know, I think that um the pandemic has created the scenario where um to be as to your point, um you know, what have we seen with the pandemic? We've seen um complete obliteration of previous habits, routines, and patterns. And we've seen in their void a, 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 a birth of new habits and routines and patterns. And this one, you know, what you talked about, you know, very few doctors had ever done uh, virtual visits before. And then now, you know, and, and honestly, they kind of viewed them. You know, I've got plenty of doctor friends, viewed them as, ah, you know, kind of beneath me. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's something Ooh. for somebody else to do, um, you know, maybe lower on the totem pole or something um, to where now, you know, a total sea change in perception of, of virtual visits and whatnot. And um, I think um, this is one where we're going to see a massive new industry of um, the ability to deliver certain sorts of healthcare services remotely, um, if not for any other reason, to keep utilization of the healthcare system, you know, the hospital system down, um, which has been such a hot topic throughout COVID is the overbooking of the healthcare system, which was never designed for that many people to begin with all at one time. Um, you know, this sort of helps distribute that out uh, in a way that makes sense. And I'll, I'll mention one other thing here too, very early with voice, with Alexa specifically, it was a group called Front Porch, which is a, a nonprofit organization that, among other things, manages some senior living facilities. It's based out in California. 
<clears throat> and they discovered that um, when you have senior citizens either aging in place or living in a facility or a nursing home that are exposed to smart speakers and exposed to voice assistants, there's numerous positive outcomes. But one of them, importantly, is that they are much more adherent to their drug regimens. And I don't mean that they have an Alexa skill telling them, take your drugs now, please. I just mean the sheer presence of the smart speaker in the room and the interaction with it kind of lifts their spirits, makes them more engaged. And that is what makes them more adherent to their drug regimen without any sort of software or anything like that. So, you know, there's going to be interesting interactions, uh, positive correlations and surprise surprising outcomes that we discover as we go along and and i think this will be one of the areas that we find them in any closing comments on this one i think this is a, you made a very valid point i think in in general like i uh personally like my, my sister-in-law she stays alone in uh, a town uh in chennai her constant companion is alexa right so for her alexa is a clear friend right like she uses for limited things but the fact that there is alexa in the room makes her not feel alone right it it sort of feel makes her feel like hey, i have a friend with whom i can talk i can yeah it, it's so much more it, it definitely gives her a sort of a companionship uh, in that place right i think like so irrespective of the technology the fact that alexa and voice and voice again has this human nature to it is definitely made people feel more happier as it has helped at least in my cousin's case and my my own uh, kids uh, when i see them the way they talk to alexa it suddenly feels like a personality it doesn't feel like a technology component it is like her always constantly referring to her as her and uh, things like that i think so it has definitely made better from an emotional perspective so it has that is that's a very valid point okay? like it, it makes people feel happier having an assistant in certain things uh, yeah and that's <clears throat> that's a perfect yeah that's a perfect uh exclamation point on that story we'll leave it right there um yeah. i'm going to go to the, our final story for uh today this is from screen rant star wars fans react <laughs> to learning luke skywalker was voiced by a computer this this is good um sub headline here after discovering luke skywalker was voiced by a computer in the Mandalorian season two, Star Wars fans have mixed reactions about his Boba Fett cameo. So, um, Tobias, I'm going to start with you, and then Kumar go to you, uh, just with the, how the flow last one went, uh, and we'll we'll end it there. But uh, Tobias, this is <laughs> this is an interesting one. We're getting more into synthetic voice um, now that voice and AI has come along. Um, it's interesting. Uh, you know, we talk about ethical conundrums all the time about uh, when and where and how and why a synthetic voice should be used as opposed to human voice. But what about if people just don't like it? <laughs> if this is an interesting one. I, uh, the floor yeah, is this is, this is a good one. And I'm not going to get involved in a Star Wars debate because people take that stuff pretty seriously. And uh, I don't want to get a bunch of hate mail. So I'm not going to address the specific issue. I'm going to address the, the tech problem and the and the uh kind of uh moral concern that what's interesting is there's this concept of the uncanny valley that i think came out of japan in the 1970s that is the more something feels human-like but the end user knows it's not human the less they actually like it they get weirded out they feel like it's 
a zombie. Like it's, it's not natural. It like makes all of our human instinct be like, there's something wrong here. I don't want to be near it. And I think a lot of the synthetic voice um, work has the opportunity to play in that space and actually reduce human trust in voice experiences versus increased trust. I think a lot of the, going back, a lot of the early two-way conversational stuff, um, designers tried to make it as human as possible. And it turned out that people actually liked it to be less human because they felt they were being tricked in some way. And so I think that's a really important thing to understand. Again, goes back to, we want to talk, but we don't want to listen, certainly not to to a, a human sounding computer. Tell me it's a computer or give me the information in a graph or, a, or something you're going to do, the machine's going to do for me or a text that I can read. Um, but this whole concept of approximating human conversation, I think takes us down the wrong path. It's too hard to do a like follow a conversation, three, four clicks down the road and B it like makes us makes a hair stand on our back that I'm somehow being tricked. It's not really human So it actually scares me versus makes me feel more comfortable. So I think it's a lesson to voice designers overall on how to think about designing voice experiences. Total agreement. Kumar, uh, your thoughts on this one? I think completely agree with Tobias. I think this is exactly what I was going to uh, say. I think from a tech perspective, the ability to have synthetic voice, I think assets applications in certain other places, not in the voice assistant sort of a space. Like in in a lot of places where you want synthetic voices, where it really is a human who has a face, you want to have a human-like voice, maybe in a cartoon, but you want So certain other places, like where uh, it probably has value, but in a place where you're trying to make people think you're talking to a machine, and the, but the machine talks in a very, very human-like way, like duplex, uh, is, uh, duplex probably other way. It's like where you thought you're talking to a human and you're trying to make it sound like a human, and then you, but if you, after two, three conversations, if you feel, you, you, you quickly understand it's not a human. And then you start feeling a lot more disappointed at the end of the journey. Right? That, that's probably worse. Then if you accept the expectation very early that I'm actually talking to a machine, but the machine is here to help you cut down your time. So people will be a lot more responsive to their, any faults that exist with the machine. Because they're a lot more forgiving to a machine than forgiving to a human. Right? And the humans are a lot more forgiving to a machine. So trying to use this technology to hide the fact that you're talking uh, to a machine, I think is probably going on the wrong path. But purely using it for a human, where it is clear it's a human, like in the Star Wars case, maybe, again, I, I'm not, uh, like, uh, like there are places where human actors uh, act whether you want to be able to mimic their uh, real voices as naturally as possible. This technology can help, probably it has its good value there. But we are using it in a machine context, but making it sound like a human or making it sound to a real human. I think that's uh, definitely the going the wrong direction because you're going to disappoint people very quickly and actually going to be counterproductive overall. So making it not sound robotic, but at the same time not sounding too human and somewhere that using a fine balance in the middle is probably we need for a voice interface. No, that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's great commentary all the way around on that. It should be noted that the technology being talked about in this article uh, belongs to Respeacher, and Respeacher is based in Ukraine. Uh, there was news coming out earlier this week that they uh, uh, they're safe, and and we certainly hope that continues to be the case. Uh, thinking about them, you know, I'll I'll put a button on this, and we we can wrap up. Uh, just a great discussion on this story and, and all of them. Um, 
you know, it's it's a story I haven't talked about on this show probably for la- for a couple of seasons, but I'm going to mention it again here. One of the first forays, or, you know, anything I had ever seen with um, voice and AI came well before I got involved with this space. It was after Michael Jackson died, which has to be 15 years now, you know, 10 to 15 years ago. Um, there was a company that um, got a lot of press for creating a Michael Jackson hologram. And uh, they talked about how, um, uh, you know, they put so much time into this hologram and it just honors him. It's not a cash grab, we promise. Uh, No, we really uh, wanted to honor him and his legacy. So what did they do? They brought the hologram to, I think it was the American Music Awards. It was some award show. If you search on YouTube for Michael Jackson hologram, you'll find this. So they, they bring the hologram to uh, this award show and they have the hologram perform this new Michael, this unreleased Michael Jackson song live. And uh, keep in mind, this is probably a year after he died. It hadn't been that long. And um, it is a fascinating video to watch because what you see is like people aren't like dancing or like, like they are to, you know, all these other acts that are performing they're kind of looking at it like, what? <laughs> and some people are visibly upset uh, and crying uh, on camera watching this Michael Jackson hologram, which is extremely lifelike. And, uh, you know, so it's to, to be as it's to your point earlier about the, the uncanny valley and sort of our... Uh, the, the, the negative correlation between human-like qualities and how much we want to be in their presence um and uh that left an impression uh on me just watching that and that company was sued out of business by the way um you know by the michael jackson estate and some other people um and uh but sort of a cautionary tale that uh uh, nobody particularly cares how much you think that you're honoring somebody if they're not ready for the technology they're not ready so I guess that's a good point to good place to leave this, um, you know, as a bookend for the show. Gentlemen, thank you for taking the time. Thanks for sharing your expertise and your experience, not with not just me, uh, but with the audience as well. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, Bradley, for having us. Yeah, it. Thanks, Bradley. Great to spend time with you, Kumar. Same here, Tobias. For This Week in Voice, Season 6, Episode 8. Uh, Thank you for listening, uh, watching, if you're watching on YouTube. Until next time.